Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Hope the work week is not too taxing. It was a busy week for me last week. We had football practice. We had media availability. We had a rock show to plan. Give you a little bit of an update on that. We're down to like the final couple things. A couple of them are pretty big, but, uh, you know, the lion's share of the work has been done, so this week shouldn't be as taxing as last week. I, let me just say I slept real well last week, really well. Packed a lot in there every day. A couple more things to do, and then we'll be done. We'll just be waiting on the show. For those of you that are unfamiliar, got a show we're calling it Rock Vegas. going to take place September 30th at Hobie's on Main. That's the old State Palace Theater. We're going to pack that place out. We're going to raise some money for Mississippi State's NIL efforts. Pretty excited about that. I spent Saturday evening with the band Twist out of uh, the central Mississippi area. Uh, Ryan and Lewis from Four Way Stop met me at the show. And uh, we had a good t- a chance to hang out with those guys and meet them, spend some time. I was very impressed with the band. They've only played a handful of shows. Chance to see them rehearse earlier in the day, kind of interact with them. They're young guys, got a lot of talent. Joey, that guitar player, is, uh, I think, going to be a star. Really like the band. Uh, the crowd really responds well to them. And this is a band, too, that's playing all original tunes. You know, a lot of people can get up there and play covers. It's kind of how everybody begins their career, right? Kind of sharpen the chops a bit playing somebody else's tunes they're playing their own stuff off to a great start really happy with what i saw makes me even more excited about our show so we're going to have four-way stop twist and lillian axe september 30th Uh, my plan is to have tickets go on sale later this week so we'll update you on that got some things we got to do to get that done Not, not not a big deal won't take long but um we're going to announce that tickets are going to go on sale in advance of them going on sale because there's limited capacity. I mean, we're only talking a few hundred people going to be able to attend this show. And people are like, well, Steve, why not a bigger venue? Well, I'm, I'm kind of doing this you know, by myself with the help of some sponsors. And so the first year, we're going to kind of start small. We've got a big band coming, obviously. Lillian Axe is very special to a lot of people in Mississippi and Louisiana. And I'm probably getting about, I don't know, 10, 15 messages a day from people from Louisiana. They want to come see the show. So I expect tickets to go very, very quickly. We're also going to have an event shirt. 
I'm finalizing that this week. Got a few people kind of bidding on that proposition. And so uh, we'll get that done. Get some shirts done. We got some, uh, you know, some merchandise type stuff we'll finalize this week. And, and of course, put tickets up for sale. And then we're done. Uh, went Friday and spent some time with Lillian Axe's booking agent. Uh, paid a good bit of their fee then because I don't like people to think, okay, let's want, worry about this. Anything that I attach my name to, I want people to realize, hey, this is a good experience. We got some things we're doing, too, to make the bands feel welcome. It's going to be a great event. Hope you can come out and join us. Uh, if you can't, of course, you can always uh, make a donation directly to the collective, the Bulldog Initiative. I'm a big fan of them. I'm a proponent of the efforts of Charlie Winfield and crew, uh, Bootsy Copeland, and other people that are putting to kind of make this thing happen. And so the reality of it is, is we're doing something innovative. We're doing something that's going to be a load of fun. And I'm already thinking about next year's show. Yeah, that's right. I'm already thinking about next year's show, and I've had a lot of other bands reach out to me, you know, in Mississippi that say, hey, if you do this again, we'd love the opportunity uh, to play on the bill. So I'm considering all of that. No matter what we do, we're going to have a headliner that's going to be a name you know. And then we'll probably bring some Mississippi bands along with that. I'm very committed to this. Not just the show and not just the NIL efforts, but, uh, you know, when I was a young buck, you know, running around, going to Bebop Record Shop with my mullet and denim jacket and all that cool stuff, you know, we had a very thriving rock scene in Mississippi. A lot of great bands. Remember Stretch Armstrong and Eulogy of the Dog and Fling Hammer and others. So we want to cultivate that again. It's time to make Mississippi rock again. And I, and I say that and people kind of laugh and snicker. It's going to take all of us. Now, many of us, you know, our kids are kind of aging out. What I mean by that is they're going off to college and stuff, and you don't have to stay at home as much. You need a night out. Why not go be a kid again and kind of whip what's left of your hair around to some songs you grew up with? Now, Lillian Axe, brand new album dropped from Friday from Womb to Tomb. If you don't have it, go check it out. Matter of fact, I'm doing a contest on my Facebook page. Already been several entrants. All you got to do, go to my Facebook page, and post a screenshot to prove that you've downloaded Lily Max's new album from Womb to Tomb, and you are automatically entered into a free drawing to get a Rock Vegas shirt. How cool is that? All right, that's all you got to do. You're already getting the killer tunes. Download the album, post a screenshot on my personal Facebook page. There's already a thread. Don't go start your own post. There's already a thread. And uh, post your screenshot. You got a chance to win a free shirt just because I'm helping out my friends. One of the most amazing things happened in my life Got a text last week, my buddy Brian, who is uh, closely affiliated with Lillian Axe, part of the Lillian family, and they thanked me in the liner notes of the album. It's never happened to me in my lifetime. Not even my own band. But uh, here we go. So exciting times, and again, uh, I feel really good about where we are. This time last week, you know, I was, uh, matter of fact, closing a deal on the venue when met with Hobie. Want to want to push some business Hobie's way too. You know, Hobie's our friend. Hobie is very committed to Mississippi State. Of course, uh, very much on on the baseball side. He, probably where he's best known. Uh, so we want to get a good crowd together at a historic venue. The State Palace Theater has hosted some incredible bands over the years. This will be Lillian Axe's first first time played in Starkville, Mississippi. Hopefully not the last time, but the first time. Those guys have been uh, been around since 1983 and have never played a date in Starkville, Mississippi. So we're going to make that happen. I'm excited about it. You should be as well. We'll continue to promote it here on the show. 
but once tickets go on sale, they're going to go quickly. I'm, I'm telling you that now just because of the traffic that I'm getting on social media from people about tickets. So we'll give you some advance notice and be prepared. I, I'm hoping to get it all set up by Friday. So maybe tickets can go sell on Friday. I'll have an update on Wednesday show. Be watching all my social media accounts. We'll push it out there. And again, I'm just kind of a one-man gang here and uh, have had so many great businesses that have already kind of jumped on board with us. And that, that's an amazing thing. I, I want to share some of this with you real quickly before we move on to the first segment of the show. Uh, Campus Bookmark, of course, is with us. Discount Building Materials of Starkville are here. Security Technology Supply there in Central Mississippi. William Wells Auto and Tire Repair here in Starkville. Uh, Portico, our great friends at Portico, Kerry Pennebaker, everybody there, they're, they're, they're involved, uh, doing, doing a great job for us. Uh, so I share that because I think it's important to understand there are a lot of people in your community that are a part of this. A big River Rental out of Canton, Mississippi, my original hometown. I was born in Canton. They're involved in this too. And so I want to make sure that you are aware of all these people that are committed to making sure you have a good time too, but also assisting in the betterment of Mississippi State Athletics. We'll add some more sponsors, too. We'll have some banners and things like that. And, and uh, again, there's a lot of stuff that goes on to pull these things together, but we pretty much got it all done. We're almost there. Almost there. I, I would say by Wednesday's show, we'll have everything done except for paying the last fee, and we'll do that later this week. So I got to get all this stuff done before football season starts, and that's what we want to talk about next. Before we do, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company more than a friend, and maybe you do, too. And if you don't, you should become acquainted with Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridgeland, Flowood area. I suspect there will be more locations eventually. People love it, man. Bulldog Burger Company is fantastic. Great selection, great food, great prices, great service, a great atmosphere. They know what it takes to feed folks. They do. Go by, have that great restaurant-quality burger. You'll be glad you did. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer, and you say, you know what, Steve? I'm trying to be a little health-conscious these days. You can always get your hamburger on a wheat bun. You can get it on a bed of lettuce, or you could get that great BLT salad. I highly recommend it. I get it grilled. You may like it fried. I won't judge you either way. But Bulldog Burger Company is, without a doubt, the can't-miss place to eat. Whether you're coming to campus or just traveling around our great state, go by and check them out. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, thanks to our friend Dave Murray. We've got a little more detailed accounting of the Saturday scrimmage. You want to thank David for doing that, and uh, we made this a free piece. If you want to go get more of the details, you can. But, uh, but here we go, basically a play-by-play here. Number one defense versus number two offense. Of course, that's Sawyer Robertson under center there. That drive ends with a touchdown catch to Ruf, from Rufus Harvey. It was a bust in coverage, which is pretty rare, especially with the top defense. But Rufus finds a way to get open. You probably saw this video on the Hell State uh, official Twitter accounts and social media stuff. All right, so they get back out there again, same group, and then there is a ball that is batted up, and then Cameron Young, that's right, future NFL player Cameron Young, uh, picks that, play, that that pass off. So that's your pick. It wasn't a bad decision. It was a, a PBU on a pass thrown towards Jaden Wiley to Corey Ellington gets in there, gets a hand on, and Cam Young comes down. A little bit later, it's a 35-yard field goal kicked by Massimo Biscardi. And, and I, I, listen, I get the concern about this. This has kind of been a much, a, 
maybe unfairly maligned thing. I understand nobody wants to have the nightmare of last year. These guys have been really good in practice. Didn't have a great first scrimmage, had a good second scrimmage. I'm talking about your specialist. All right, next drive is number one offense versus number two defense. This also ends in a touchdown. Rufus Harvey again. Touchdown catch from Will Rogers. Eight yards there in the red zone. A little bit later, another red zone series. Uh, rushing touchdown for Dylan Johnson. And then Massimo Biscardi connects on a 40-yard field goal. I, I think he is going to be your 40-yard and end guy. And that Raven will be your kickoff guy and probably your long field goal guy. You got a right footer, you got a left footer. Kind of whatever we want, I guess. All right, next drive. Touchdown complete to Xavier uh, Thomas. That's a young guy right there. This, this is the number threes, by the way. Third offense versus third defense. Xavier Thomas, a guy we expect big things from. Pulls in a 22-yard touchdown pass. All right, another drive stalls out. And then Ben Rabin attempts a 35-yard field goal and misses. So it wasn't all aces for the kickers. All right, a little bit later, we have another one defense versus number two offense. Sully Robertson comes out, and he is getting a lot of reps right now. And that's not because he's expected to start. We just got to get him ready. We know what Will Rogers can do. So a couple penalties here. This drive ends again at Rufus Harvey again. Best day of his life, right? Touchdown to Rufus Harvey. Rufus has had a really good camp. And there are a lot of Starville High School people that were really pushing him. And listen, I'm a Starville High School parent too, Okay. But a lot of these people are like, oh, my gosh, we got to take Rufus, got to take Rufus. And I was always worried about his size. But it's clear those people were right. That's not to say that Rufus is going to be our primary receiver, but this guy clearly, clearly is an SEC player. Didn't play enough last year, in my estimation. He's coming into his own this year. All right, defense kind of gets the better of things the next time. Uh, Sawyer Robertson ends up getting sacked. Colin Duncan with the play there. They end up kicking a field goal, and it's Massimo Biscardi again. He good from 43. All right, this next drive, uh, Woody Marks is helped from the field, and uh, everybody's waiting on an update. I was told post-practice that it was his ankle being iced rather than his knee, which is always good. The lower, the farther, the, the, lo- the lower you go on the leg, the happier you are. I do expect him to play against Memphis. Not that we're going to get an update between now and then, right? That's number one offense, first two defense. All right, Rodgers then is complete uh, to Williams. Dylan Johnson runs for 11. And that's the thing, too, that a lot of you people have been clamoring about, too, is we got to run the football better. We have ran the football better. Are we going to run it more? Yes. Are we going to be balanced? No. We are running the air raid. However, I think our ability to run the football when we need to is better than it's been since Mike Leach has been here. Drive eventually stalls out. Um, that's not true. This drive, actually, we get a Dylan Johnson plunge from one yard out. And, and Rufus Harvey, again, the key play on this drive, a big 28-yard reception. Our defense strikes back. Will Rogers throws a pick. And it's to Carlos Nicholson in the red zone there, picking it off. All right. Ben Rabin comes in a little bit later with a 36-yard field goal. That's also good. So what did I said, four for five now from your kickers? You'll take that, right? All right, number three is back out there, Chance Lovertich. That drive eventually uh, eventually 
stalls out. You've got a uh, an offensive pass interference on Justin Robinson on a touchdown. May not get that call in a real game. A little bit later, uh, we get a sack to install out a drive with Levertich under center. You come back, and again, you do threes are working here, but this drive again, we go down the field and we score a touchdown to Xavier Thomas. Xavier Thomas had a good day, right? All right, so here are your, your numbers here. This kind of gets you up to speed. And, of course, all these are unofficial. Like, the media kind of all gets together, and everybody just kind of, like, works together. Like, one person chats, you know, you know charts, passing, receptions. You know, I've, I've participated in this before. And, again, I was not there Saturday. I want to make sure that is abundantly clear. I've been to every practice this fall, with the exception of two scrimmages. We have plenty of people there to cover. Paul Jones, of course, there. Um, Dave Murray. Mike Nemeth. They all cover it. Um, but the reality of it is, is uh, we're going to give you quality information. I want to make sure it's understood. I'm not one of these kind of people that like wants to talk intelligently about things I didn't witness. So I'm, I'm reading you their numbers. There are other people in our industry that are different. I'm not going to mention names. It's not important. But there are a lot of people that have strong opinions about events they didn't they didn't attend. All right, passing. Well, Rogers six of thirteen for 86 yards and a touchdown, one interception. Sawyer Robertson, 9 of 15 for 66 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. And people say, well, Steve, the, the yardage is not great. Well, number one, we're, we're kind of a short, control-the-game passing offense, but also, too, a lot of these drives started around the 50. Daniel Greek, 2 of 9 for 30 yards, a touchdown. Levertich, 9 of 13, 82 yards, one touchdown. Now, in the event that we will Rodgers, for some reason, has to miss some time, it's Sawyer Robertson's dude. Now, mechanically – I've, I, he hadn't spun the, the football exceptionally well at times. And I don't know if it's just because the game is speeding up on him a little bit. Because last year, you know, he didn't take any first-team reps. He's taken a lot this year. I would venture to say I haven't seen the chart. I would venture to say he's taken more than Will. And he needs him more than Will, right? We know what Will Rogers can do. All right, Antonio Harmon, four catches, 23 yards. Xavier Thomas, four catches, 46 yards, and two touchdowns. Rufus Harvey, three catches for 62 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Simeon Price, two catches for 13. Jaden Wiley, one for 24. Caleb Ducking, one for 12. You can expect Caleb Ducking to be a primary target when we take the field, though. Uh, Woody Marks, one for 12. Austin Williams, one for 10. Tulu Griffin, one for eight with a touchdown. Scooby Ford, one catch for seven yards. Lauderdale, that's one of our walk-ons, one for six. And then Janoris Hobson, one catch for four yards. Uh, Running the football, Dylan Johnson, five carries, 19 yards, a couple touchdowns. Simeon Price, four carries for 16 yards. Uh, Woody Marks, three for eight. And then Sawyer Robertson ran one for three. Daniel Greek, one for eight. Uh, so we're averaging about four yards a carry when it's all said and done, when you uh, put it all together. Our field goal kicking, we did go uh, – let's say we went five for six. We had uh, walk-on kicker go one for two. So Biscardi is three for three. Ravens one for one, and then Kennedy's one for two. That doesn't match our. Uh, I'm kind of doing this on the fly. That didn't match what we po- what we posted in our our uh, chart. So either Raven missed one, or, or maybe Kennedy kind of escaped being uh, tagged in in the in the drive chart there. But uh, either way, Massimo's going to be kicking most of your field goal attempts, and he's three for three. That's why you went out and got that guy. All right, uh, Murray also notes that uh, on kickoffs, it was Ben Rabin and then Massimo Biscardi. That's what we expect. Rabin to be the kickoff specialist and the long field goal attempter, and then Biscardi would be just in case. 
Uh, kickoff returns to Lou Griffin, and then Dylan Johnson's the up back there. And then the sack on the second unit, it's Xavier Thomas and Simeon Price. All right, uh, punting. First team uh, snapper looks to be Hayes Hammond and Rex Robich is right there too. Archer Trafford and George uh, Giropoulos. Punting, Manuel Forbes, Austin Williams, Xavier Thomas all receiving. There were no returns. I do expect Austin Williams to be primary guy, but you could see Emmanuel Forbes. Get some opportunities. All right, there were a few guys that uh, – players who missed practices last week and scrimmaged included Dylan Lawrence, Demonte Russell, Jaquavius Marks, Deshaun Page. They're guys that go into yellow jerseys from time to time. They go through positional drills. They just don't go through team stuff. And if we were going to play a game, they'd play. And that's around the country. You know, it's not – it's not something that's unique to Mississippi State. Uh, Bull Hargrove wore a yellow jersey, didn't, did not go through that. And then uh, John Lewis watched with a brace on his right leg. And so here's the deal with that. So we've got a few things to talk about. A lot of things make the message boards. And, of course, anytime you have an open scrimmage with the public, people see things and they ask questions. And so I want to do my best to provide some answers for you. So John Lewis, I don't expect good news here. Um, Anytime that a guy gets banged up in practice and then you kind of see him in a huge brace, kind of immobilizing you know, the knee, it, it, it's not a good sign. Now, remember last year in the spring game when Jaden Wally had the, the knee injury and everybody was worried to death, he was okay. You know, you'd like to hope this is a similar situation, but I think it's important right now to maybe not expect that. Now, Jaden Crumedy also did not participate in a scrimmage on Saturday. You guys saw it, those of you who were there. He also was not uh, in attendance, from what I understand. I don't expect him to play against Memphis. I don't expect him to be somebody that's you know out for an extended period of time, but uh, going to miss a few weeks. Does that mean a few weeks of the season? No, I don't think so. I think it means probably the next couple of weeks of practice. And then you'll give him a couple games to kind of get completely healthy, and then he'll be ready to go. But, uh, you know, we've got depth there too. But, again, this is all based on kind of a somewhat educated opinion, I guess. I don't expect Woody uh, Marks to miss any time, though. They'll be careful with him. And now we'll kind of like ramp things down a little bit, you know. But as of today, there are two players that I don't expect to play against Memphis, and that's John Lewis and Jaden Crumbody. And we should be able to beat them without them. Lewis running third team linebacker. Crumberty, of course, uh, one of your starters on the defensive front. So that, that's not an insignificant deal, to say the least. The coach Mike Leach is not going to comment on injuries. That's his personal policy. Uh, but, you know, we see who's available. I and mean, we had a scrimmage just open to the public. And you guys can see who's in uniform and who's not. So that always kind of leads to speculation. But I, I don't think Mike Leach should scale back. I mean, you guys want an opportunity to come see your team and, and, and play. Uh, but understand, too, those scrimmages are kind of a scripted thing, right? There are certain things they want to work. You want to work goal lines, some red zone stuff, plus territory, a lot of things out there. So it's not like a traditional game. It's basically a practice, but you guys get to go watch. And I think it's great for Mike Leach to open that up. But once they do, there's always, you know, things that you – know, it seems like every year that we open it up, there's somebody that gets nicked up and banged up. And, of course, there's concern because we all care about Mississippi State, Right. We want to have a good year. We're going to have a good year. We've got to stay healthy. We're going to have a good year. And the good thing is we've got some depth and maybe we don't have to push guys quite as hard as we have in the past. It's because we can, uh, we can rest them a little bit and allow some guys behind them to get some reps. But um, a successful scrimmage. Uh, Mike Leach, um, 
spoke with the media afterwards. Let me give you a couple highlights from that. And Leach was pleased. You know, he said from the very beginning, very first question, well, hey, what'd you think, coach? Well, I thought it went good. thought it was competitive. thought we had good energy. We got plenty to work on, but I thought it was a pretty good balanced scrimmage. And that's what you want, right? You want a balanced scrimmage. You want the offense to get some wins. You want the defense to get some wins. And that's the thing, too, when you look at the t- t- totality of camp, I can get that out. It has been that way every single week, every single practice. Now, there'll, there'll be a stretch every now and again where defense will get a couple stops and then offense will get a couple scores, but there has been a lot of back-and-forth, tit-for-tat type volley. You don't want one unit to come out there and dominate. And this defense, I think, is going to be really good. I'll be surprised if it's not. Defense dominated two weeks ago, the whole week, and then they win the scrimmage. Last week, offense won. And, you, again, you have pretty balanced scrimmage. But I think offense won every single day of practice last week. Um, Leach talked about two. Thought we played a little bit better on offense. You've got to play together or there's nothing to stop. I thought we had good intensity on defense. I think we took a step on both sides of the football. That's all that's what you want to hear. What would you think of your quarterbacks, Coach? I thought they were decent. They were Their good plays were good. We did a pretty good job of spreading out the bad plays. That's always good, too. You don't want to compound that. And it's interesting, too. I don't know who asked the question. Which quarterback stood out the most? He said, Will. Will and then the third group. Daniel. That's Daniel Greek. I did think the young guys played well, and I thought Sawyer played well. Sawyer had a pretty good scrimmage. And Sawyer's been kind of up and down in camp. But, but there are a lot of people out there that say, oh, well, you know, I don't know that Will's our best quarterback. Let, let me tell you, it's a guy that's been in practice all but two this fall. Will Rogers is our best quarterback. And I don't know why we have some fans that are so reluctant to admit that or to give the kid credit for what he's done. Will Rogers is that dude. Okay, get on board with it, accept it, cheer for him, and let's get ready to go. Some talk about offensive line play. Cole Smith's a guy, too. You know, of course, he started a lot of games here at Mississippi State, moved around some on the interior. And Cole plays with a lot of juice, man. One thing I like about Cole, had a discussion recently about that, is that, you know, when he's in the game, you know, he's there to win. And that's the whole point of playing the game, right? We're not out there to have an exhibition. We're trying to win a game. And Cole Smith wants to win. Not the biggest guy. Got long arms. Plays hard. He's in a battle there at right guard. You know, and it's like, basically, you've got Cam Jones. you got Albert Reese. And I think Cam Jones is pretty much solidified there at right tackle. And then you slide Albert in. So now Albert's competing with Cole Smith. They'll, they'll both play. They'll both play. We're going to get seven guys ready to play. Talked about Rufus. Here are Leach's comments on Rufus Warren. Rufus played well. He plays the ball in the air possibly better than any receiver we have. That's high praise. He cuts quickly and plays the ball in the air well. That's a pretty good example for everybody. Uh, kind of skipping down a little bit here, we talked about the uh, – you know, Steve Spurrier has said, hey, we're going to play eight guys. You know, we, write, we run four receivers out there. He plans to play eight in a regular rotation. There will be some guys, obviously, that will get in games later or as needed. But uh, here's the deal. Three-horse race at receiver. Ask that question. Leach says, I don't know. Somebody has to separate themselves early on. I thought all three were playing relatively lethargic. Now all three are playing good. They're playing for playing time right now. We'll see who rises to the top. And I think, I think once you get through this week, I think all that's settled. I think every bit of that is settled this week. They'll get their second team – or excuse me, their two deep assignments, and then the scout team will become the scout team. 
Uh, more on Rufus. We wanted to play him for a while, and he does good things on a practice field. If we were to play today, he'd play a lot. That's good news right there. And, again, Rufus is a guy that takes ownership of the football. All right, what do you think about the competition between Jalen Green and Corey Owington at safety? Last week, Corey Owington kind of unseated Jalen Green with the first team. By the end of the week, though, it seemed like Green had had the better week. And so, Leach says they're fighting it out. I think Jalen Green had a little bit better day-to-day, but it's competitive. We have enough guys competing in secondary. It needs to be competitive. I think Green ends up being your day-one starter. And Owington playing a lot as a second-teamer. And his time will come. His time will come. Just talking about the team in general, Leach says, we got a little more depth. We're more competitive at more positions. The better guys are going to play, but we're still looking for guys to separate themselves. And I agree with every bit of this. We do have more depth, and it is more competitive, which means we're recruiting the right guys. Now let's make sure we can uh, get it done on the field. Last question that I'm going to comment, you can read the full transcript over at jeanspage.com. You do you feel like the energy has been good? We have high energy. Our guys really do like to play, and that's a huge thing. It is a huge thing. It's very much a huge thing. Leach always talks about, you know, we need people that love football. We need people that need football. We got some guys out here that want to play. And and as camp went on, and we talked about that uh, late in the week, things started getting a little chippy. You know, you're ready to go play another team. You're ready to hit somebody else. But there is a competitive nature with football. That it almost comes like a Lord of the Flies type thing by the end of the camp, right? I mean, everybody's just so juiced up and they're back in football mode. They've kicked the rust off. They're ready to roll. That's kind of where we are right now. So they'll go through their mock week this week. It'll be game week next week. We're going to get to watch some football here pretty soon. I know there's preseason football out there, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's tough for me to watch that stuff. If it's not going into record books, you know, it's like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Love college football better anyway. But the reality of it is, is uh, we're there. We're there. I mean, this, think about this. This time next – let me see. This, yeah, this time next week, we're going to have a Mike Leach coaching presser there at the stadium, preview in Memphis. And then it's amazing how life moves so quickly once we get into the season. Life comes at you fast, right? You got to plan your tailgate. You got to find out who's got tickets and who doesn't. So you got might as well get ready for the grind. So, gentlemen and some ladies, let me go ahead and encourage you now. Whatever honeydew stuff you have put off all summer, you need to get it done this week, because you don't want that hanging over your head. You don't want to hear about it when you're having to load the car and everything else. Oh, you didn't do this. You promised me you're going to do that. Take care of it this week. Make everybody's life and your family less stressful. Go ahead and get it done. You'll feel better having had it done. I got things around here I need to get done too. Because when the season starts, I'm just not going to have time to, you know, to kind of give a day to it. Because for us, you know, we go, you know, Leach on Monday, offense on def- on Tuesday, defense on Wednesday. Next thing you know, you know, maybe we're covering a junior college game or a high school game, and then we're traveling to a venue somewhere. Uh, so things happen quickly. And I'm sure your life feels the same way. And not to mention, you, you're going to want to watch those Thursday night games. Probably want to go see your local high school play a game. Maybe you got kids playing. Maybe kids are in the band or cheerleaders or whatever. Let's get it done this week, folks. All right, time for today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. CloseWithBlair.com. Blair is a friend in the industry. That's the mortgage industry. 
It's a very complicated process. A lot of people think, well, you know, I know all about it. I bought a couple houses. Yeah, you do, but you really don't know the inner workings of the process. You think you do. But you need somebody on those front lines that's been there. Blair Chandler, 21 years of experience, back-to-back years, top 1% close ratio in the country. Works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it comes to mortgage loan origination. And maybe perhaps you are a, maybe, I don't know, a non-conforming borrower with an atypical property. Maybe you've been turned down in the past. I'm going to tell you, give Blair a chance. He can make your dream of home ownership come true. If anybody can, it's Blair Chandler. Let me give you his personal cell number. And when you call and text him, and this goes directly to him. There are a lot of people out there you got to go through like this labyrinth of people to get a hold of somebody. This goes directly to Blair. You're dealing with the guy that's going to help navigate this process for you. 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. And then let him know you heard about him on the barnyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. How about that? A lot of fees associated with getting the mortgage closed. Blair's going to help you with some of that. He wants your business. A lot of people want your business. I think Blair deserves your business. Give Blair a chance to serve you today. Again, that's closewithblair.com, 601-500-2344. All right. We're going to thank Barry Prater for today's list. Barry recommended a band. I'm not a huge fan of this band, but I don't dislike this band. I've heard a few songs over the years that I liked. And there are others that I just kind of listen to, you know, when they're on the radio. But this is a band that's got a pretty big following. And for many of you, this is a band that was probably somewhat prominent, I guess, when uh, you were in college. It's a band Incubus. Now, they have been around for a while. And here's the thing. It seems like they're always on break. They're one of those bands. There's just something always going on. We take a break here, take a break there. So their debut album came out way back in 1995. And they were basically a new metal band. They were basically a poor man's corn on the album Fungus Among Us. That song, uh, Take Me to Your Leader. You know, there's some interesting things that go on with that song. That didn't make our list, but I want to throw that out there. So when you start with Fungus Among Us and you get to the end of the catalog, it's basically we've gone from new metal to alternative rock to adult contemporary. So they have kind of healed, I guess you could say, you know, over the maturation of this band for the last, uh, you know, nearly, nearly 30 years. And so things have changed. So they have been a band that's uh, a little different. But they're also a band that uh, when they got the right production value behind them, I think that Fungus Among Us album, you could tell it was made pretty cheaply. Not that there's not some cool stuff on there. But they changed the direction of the band with science. And it's an acronym. You can figure that out yourself. And Make Yourself came out in 99. Make Yourself was really kind of the breakthrough. The album went gold. Morning View, of course, very good. A Crow Left of the Murder is, is, number one, a fabulous title for anything. But also a great album. Light Grenades. And then they, they reunited and recorded If Not Now, When? in 2011. And then album eight came out in 2017. It's been five years uh, since they've released a new album. It'll be interesting to kind of see what happens in the direction of this band. It's because, again, they're always on break. Always. Like, you go, oh, they recorded an album, and they toured, and they took a break. And then they recorded a song, and they took a break, and, and somebody laid down some guitars, and they took a six-month hiatus. I mean, there's always something with this band. But, uh, you know, sometimes you, it takes time to get your dreams together. And so I know a lot of people love this band. Because, you know, again, the late 90s, early 2000s, they were everywhere. I would say from, you know, maybe 97 
for like a 10-year period there. I mean, Incubus was one of the biggest bands in the country. And it was kind of a weird time of music. And at least Incubus is one of those bands, too, that uh, at least had a little girth to their catalog. It wasn't like the same thing over and over again. It wasn't Blink-182 or, or, or Everclear. You know, these guys actually, I think, had a little gumption about them. And maybe the catalog should be a little more extensive, but they've changed a lot, as I discussed earlier. All right, so let's get to our list here. Maybe, uh, maybe you have your own top ten list. And maybe it works for you, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. But uh, these are my favorite Incubus songs. And some of these, I'll be honest with you, I, had to, well, I did a little research, I had to kind of go back and look, look at a couple things again. Uh, I think my favorite album is Make Yourself. I, I think, and then maybe A Curl Up to the Murder is second. I think Make Yourself is my favorite one. Uh, and so we're going to kind of skew in that direction. Going to have a handful of, uh, kind of handful of songs from that album on here. But the number 10 song is a song called uh, Adolescence. And maybe you're familiar with that one, maybe you're not. But Adolescence is one, I think, a little bit later in the catalog that is maybe somewhat underappreciated. Be sure and check it out. Uh, Adolescence, a good track. And that is off the, if not now, when album. So again, a little bit later in the catalog. But um, you know, one that I think, it was the lead single on that album. I think you'll dig that one. Okay, number nine. This is off Light Grenades. It's uh, Animali. Really cool track. Uh, I like the opening guitar on this one. And it's, again, it kind of stands out on the album. I, I don't know if there's anything else on this album that is similar. Not to say that it's like a one-off, that it's kind of true to the sound, but... Uh, it's kind of distinctive in what it does. You know, the song is just a little bit different than anything else on the album. All right, number eight, going back to my favorite album, it's the song Stellar. Really cool track. I think it's one of these songs, too, that probably a lot of people have heard, maybe forgot who performed it. It's a great track on a great album. All right, number seven, it's the song New Skin. And this is such a different song. And one of the reasons I included it on our list is because of the fact that it is so incredibly different. It's basically got this rap part on it. We're going back, right? So it's like when they were still kind of figuring out their sound, this was part of it. You know, again, a lot of people thought they were kind of a poor man's corn. And it sounds an awful lot like them. And this is on their second album before things really kind of got rolling. But there's this like rap part, and then there is just this incredible alternative rock vibe. The guitar on this, again, is very, very good. Uh, the rhythm section with this band, too, is maybe at times a little bit underappreciated. And they do a really good job with that. They're, it's a really, they're a really solid band in that respect. But, um, you know, there are times that I feel like this band was kind of, uh, you know, pushed down our throats a little bit. You know, and, and a lot of it's, it's not their fault. I mean, I hate to say they were a you know, flash in the early 2000s pan because I think they're, they're better than that. But a lot of their contemporaries really had no staying power. And I think record companies and people in rock music were like just so desperate to find somebody that had some staying power and some authenticity. And so they really, really pushed Incubus. All right, number six on your list is Nice to Know You. This song was everywhere when it was released as a single. I'm, I'm a regular, serious, octane listener. Basically, Hair Nation, Ozzy's Boneyard, and then Octane, and, Ozzy, and sometimes Turbo. Octane's the new stuff. I guess occasionally I listen to Lithium. 
Uh, but Octane is big for me, and this is where I discovered this band. Kind of, you know, it's part of my daily travels back uh, 20 years ago. But this song was everywhere. Nice to know you is a great track. I think Brandon's vocals on it's really good. Number five is Pardon Me. I love the opening to this. And again, you can hear some elements of new metal, like they had the little DJ stuff uh, that kind of leaks in from time to time. I think it adds some real color to the tracks. Not that they're a rap band anymore, but I think it's one of those things. Clearly, there was some influence. And so I think it's a really cool thing. Number four, Wish You Were Here. This is a banger, too. Love the vocal on it. Love the bass line on it. I think it's one of those songs, too, that I think because Incubus, maybe because this generation doesn't watch a lot of MTV because they don't play music on there anymore, it's basically 24 hours of ridiculousness and hair care commercials and then advertising for the Jersey Shore. This is one of those songs, too, I think would have been much bigger, much bigger if we had a real MTV. Now, you can always go dig it up, but you're not going to do that. All right, number three, and at times this has been my favorite Incubus song. I think it's got a little more of an edge to it. It's dig. I dig it. I absolutely dig it. And again, I could make a case this is the best one. But it, to be, honestly, I think it might be a flimsy case because there are a couple tracks that I think really define who Incubus is as a band. And one of those is your number two song. It's uh, Megalomaniac. Now, this is one that I think really showed people they were more than just kind of an alternative rock band. They had a little juice in what they were doing. They had some kick. This really has an edge. And I think in many people's mind, it's probably the biggest song in the catalog. I don't think it's the best song, though. I think the number one song is the song Drive, off the Make Yourself album, which is, again, I think... If, I hate to go as far as call it a masterpiece, but I think that is the shining moment of this band. It's the album Make Yourself, which is their third album. Things kind of change a little bit, you know, and that's funny how money does that to people. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're not as hungry. You know, it's like the punk movement. You know, it's like they, they took pride in being poor. They kept them hungry, and it's all of a sudden you have some success. You're playing out big venues, and you're dating swimsuit models and things like that, and you don't have as much uh, anger in your life. And so I think people kind of lose touch with their fan base. Some bands do. They, they kind of lose touch with their fan base because they're, they're living a different life. And so I share that because I think when, as Incubus has mellowed, I think as a result they've probably lost you know, some of the core audience. But uh, the reality of it is it's a great band, had a great moment, uh, a great time for about 10 years in rock music. Again, very, very, very successful band. Um, and a lot of people... Even to this day, like our friend Barry reaches out and said, hey, you know, Steve, I'd love to hear your, your top 10 Incubus songs. So, Barry, you may be a bigger fan of that band than I am. We had never done them. We've had some requests before. And so now we kind of clear the lane here for Incubus. And so I hope you enjoy this list. And for some of you, it's kind of a trip down memory lane. And you know how it is with certain bands. Like, I guess I, I'm guilty of this a little bit. Maybe not as much as some of you. I'm not a single-serving single guy right? Like I don't, I don't just like fall in love with songs. When I hear a song, it's like an introduction to an album. And then an album, of course, is an introduction to a band. So I like to know what's really going on. Now that's not to say there aren't some songs out there. I just kind of enjoy the song. Kind of like with Blur and track two, right? 
But when I get into a band, I like to know the history. Who's in the band? Where are they from? Where are they coming from? You know, that kind of stuff. I'm a guy that really kind of digs in maybe too much. But uh, I've got a lot of loyalty to bands. And one of the reasons that bands release songs is not just for you to download their song. It's in hopes that you will download the entire album. And I've shared this on the show before. The journey that an album takes you is unmatched, especially when you're traveling along. There are just some albums out there that you know, you're constantly having to put your playlist together. Let me just encourage you. Every once in a while, if you've got a couple of songs on one album that you love, just put the whole album on. Because there's some great stuff in there. I mean, some of the best songs in the world were not even singles. That's one of the things we've talked about before is putting a list like those together, like legendary songs. They weren't singles. People forget Bohemian Rhapsody was rejected as a single because in those days everybody was playing you know three-minute songs. And you've got this masterpiece of music you know and the, there's some deep tracks on albums that you know, bands play live that were never released as singles because the fans just simply demand it so go learn some new favorite songs and one of the things that i love to do is if there's a band out there that i really like if they had one album that was just absolutely killer i'll go back and i'll listen to something else maybe i'm unfamiliar with so maybe dig into some incubus today Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Again, I'm not a huge fan of the band, but I, I respect them. I respect their place in music, and uh, these are my favorite songs. You may disagree. You may have some other ones, but uh, it's hard to beat Dig, uh, Megalomaniac, and Drive. It's really difficult. There, there are not a lot of bands of their stature that had a run like that, uh, You know, whether it be three, four singles or not. There are a lot of those bands, their contemporaries, we couldn't put a top ten list together if we wanted to. This is a killer one. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out let us know. The best way to do that is reach out to Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Roy Samante, my friend uh, and my compatriot when it comes to the top 10 list. He's a big fan of the list. He puts them on Spotify for you guys too. And so if you're looking to listen to the list, you're riding around and say, you know, I'm tired of listening to this, my same old stuff. We've got it all indexed there. You can go find whatever bands you want. You want to learn something more about a band. You want to go revisit a list that's all safely and securely on Roy's Spotify list. And thanks, as always, for your support of the Top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Campus Bookmart. You can visit Campus Bookmart in person and go by and see the lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there. Susie might even give you a hug. I don't think that's just unique to me. Maybe it is. I'm, I'm, I'm really charming. But they will treat you like family because in their minds you are family. A great group of folks doing a great job for a wonderful fan base. Go by and see the best selection of Mississippi State merchandise today. A lot of people make that claim. The bully shop has been completely renovated. Everything is upstairs now. The selection is unsurpassed. Go by and check them out. You'll be glad you did. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order left than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Are. All right, we're talking Tennessee today. We're down to our final three. Our final three SEC team previews. Mississippi State didn't play Tennessee this year, but we're going to take a look at them and see where they rank maybe in our preseason SEC pecking order. I like this team. I think they're going to take a step forward. thought they were good last year. 
could have been a little bit better. Offensively, they were explosive. Got a lot, a few pieces back, especially Hooker behind center. I, I really like him. He's your second-team All-SEC quarterback. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. But uh, this is a guy that kind of makes the uh, – kind of stirs the drink there. Let's take a quick look back at last year. They opened the year with a 38-6 win over Bowling Green. We will see the Falcons in Starkville this year. The next week, they host Pitt, and Kenny Pickett and those guys beat Tennessee 41-34. Very, very, very competitive and impressive game. Tennessee fans probably felt like they should have won that game. Uh, Pitt kind of got things going in that game. The next week, they blast Tennessee Tech 56 to nothing. So, again, offensively, you see they're putting some big numbers up here. Well, that ended the next week. They went to the Swamp. One of the highlights of the year for a pretty mediocre Florida team. Florida wins that game 38-14. So it's 2-2 two and two for the Volunteers after the first month of the 2021 season. The next week they go on the road, and, they, and I really thought Missouri had a chance to get them. And, again, we talked extensively about how Missouri's defense has been uh, challenged in the years since Barry Odom has been gone. Tennessee rolls up 62 points. And they win 62-24 going away. The next week in Neyland Stadium, they take care of South Carolina 45-20. So, again, you see through six games offensively in five of them, they've been outstanding. Ty Grantham gave them some trouble uh, there at the Swamp. But by and large, they're putting up big numbers. The next week in a big game for both teams, Ole Miss gets the better of them 31-26. And you remember Tennessee had to kind of get hot late to make this game a little more competitive. Old Miss kind of controlled the game throughout. Tennessee got hot late, and we're kind of setting up a game-winning drive. They go for it on fourth down. And again, I say he was short of the line to gain. I know a lot of Bulldog fans thought he made it. We wanted him to make it because we wanted Ole Miss to lose. But Tennessee's receiver was down, and of course a near riot ensued. Craziness. People throwing things on the field. I don't care if it's Ole Miss out there or not. That's unacceptable. You can't be throwing things on the field. I mean, come on. But they lose the game, 31-26. The next week they go to Alabama. It's competitive for a few minutes, and then Alabama gets it going, 52-24 winners. And so headed into the bye week, they lost four games, four and four. And you feel like bowl eligibility was really a foregone conclusion. When you look at the back, you know, back month of the schedule, the month of November, pretty favorable schedule with the exception of the Georgia game. And then Tennessee wins three out of four. They win a barn burner in Lexington, 45-42. And let's be honest, Tennessee should always beat Kentucky. I mean, right? Let's be fair about it. I know Kentucky's been good under Stoops, but let's be, let's be honest. Tennessee, with their branding, should win. They win that game. Again, a barn burner of a game. And offensively, another outstanding effort from Tennessee. The next week, they run into Georgia. 41-17 winners are the Bulldogs there in uh, Neyland Stadium. But you're right there, right? You're, you're right there when it comes to bowl eligibility. You're getting ready to get it done. You just got to win one more. And you get South Alabama the next week and you blister them 60-14. to 14. So now you're bowl eligible and you close out the year with a 45-21 win over Vanderbilt. So a 7-5 and five regular season for Tennessee. It didn't sound too impressive. But when you go back and look at some of these games, I mean, it's like – I mean, they're right there in the thick of things, and they lose two games by one score. That's the Pitt game and the uh, the Ole Miss game. You know, one scoring drive there and perhaps a two-point conversion or extra point, you know, it's a different game. 
So while they went seven and five with a little better production, they could have gone nine and three. I think they're that caliber team this year. Now they lose to Purdue 48-45. Pretty crazy game. You remember that one? That's in Nissan Stadium, Music City Bowl. And Purdue wins it. And congratulations to those guys. An impressive game. And we all watched it. It was like we were, we were afraid for the game to end. It was so incredibly entertaining. And I think Tennessee, again, benefits from that kind of moving forward. You start thinking now, okay, well, what do they have back? A lot. They have a lot back this year. I think that's a big part of things when you begin to think about how this all you know, shakes out. When you have a returning quarterback, your chances of you taking a step forward are usually pretty good as long as you've got some skill around him and you can protect him. And Tennessee should always kind of be in that situation. You know, I mean, I think you look at the, their, their branding and the fact that Josh Heupel has been able to put some things together uh, for them, it's pretty – it's outstanding. Think about that. Now, you know, what's going to happen now with this uh, NCAA case? That's something that's going to kind of hover over their heads. I don't know when they'll get their – you know, they got their notice of allegations, but when do they get, you know, their day in court and get their sanctions? I'm not sure of the timeline, but that's something that will be on their minds, I'm sure. And I, I think it's pretty safe to say they'll likely get a bowl ban. Does it apply to this year? I don't know. You know, we'll see. But the reality of it is, is Tennessee's got some pretty serious allegations. Now, the flip side of it is, is they discovered these things themselves. They investigated it. They took corrective action, got rid of everybody involved. And a lot of people are expecting Tennessee to get much lighter sanctions than maybe we all expected when Jeremy Pruitt was fired. When Pruitt was fired, everybody's like, well, you know, you can't, you know, fire your way out of – an NCAA case. But I, I think what we're going to see is it's going to come in somewhat lighter than people expect. All right, let's take a quick look at kind of what they've got coming back. Uh, you know, Josh Heupel, of course, you know, probably got that job because of that NCAA case, honestly. And Heupel's a guy, too, that's done some great things offensively as a head coach, but there were a lot of people maybe scared to give him the big Power 5 opportunity. Well, he's gotten it, and I think, again, I think they take a step forward this year. Now, I can't promise you what next year looks like. But this year, I think this should be a very talented team. Of course, Hendon Hooker is back. Wide receiver Cedric Tillman is an outstanding player. And nobody really knew what to expect last year. This is an offense that scored nearly 40 points a game. I suspect they'll be that or better this year. You know, the thing about Hooker, too, is he's that guy, too. He's so athletic that if he tucks it and goes, it could be a big play. Tillman, 1,081 yards last year receiving. That, that's a proven guy. That's a proven guy that kind of came out of nowhere last year. Uh, Jalen Hyatt's a guy that had 21 catches a year ago. They're expecting him to, to, to kind of take the next step forward. Uh, of course, Javante Payton's gone. Because Jones is gone. Both of those guys somewhat connected to Mississippi State. So where do the young guys factor in? You got a couple transfer guys in there, too. You know, Brew McCoy's a guy that could be a guy. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Running game, Jabari Small was good last year. Jalen Wright's a guy that people are pretty high on. Justin Williams-Thomas, uh, that's another guy, too, that uh, maybe the third running back will probably get some carries and kind of see his role increase as the season goes along. This is an offensive line last year. It's pretty good. They had some moments, of course, when they got behind in games and you start getting into these, uh, these track meets and things broke down a little bit at times. But the reality of it is it should be a really good group. But they're going to return – uh, four guys with a lot of SEC experience. 
Defensively, you know, they had some good moments. Other times uh, they didn't. But the reality of it is, is that uh, they ought to have some athletes out there in that front seven. Tennessee's always been able to go get linebackers. Always. Should be good up front. The defensive ends, uh, you know, Byron Young's a guy that's an all-SEC candidate. Um, yeah, as we'll see, you know, there, there's some questions, I guess, a little bit in the secondary. You got a few guys out there that has, has some experience, Trevon Flowers, Jalen McCullough. But uh, outside of that, you know, there's some unknowns. And so if, if that's kind of where we see things, you know, if there is kind of some question mark, maybe it's the secondary. But, it, again, it's a mix of experienced guys and kind of newcomers. But we'll see kind of how things go. Jeremy Banks, an outstanding player, linebacker. So I think this defense will take a step forward and bring the team with them. I think you'll get a constant on offense, and then you'll bring more wins and losses because of the play defensively. I don't think you're going to see as many of these 45-42 type games this year. I think defensively they're going to be better. They're going to be better. I've got Tennessee pick number two in the East behind Georgia. I do. And let me tell you how they get there, in my estimation. They open up with Ball State. Okay, that's a W. All right, they're going to play Pitt. Now, Pitt is ranked 17th. Tennessee is unranked. I think that's wrong. I think Tennessee is a better team than Pitt. I think the Volunteers are going to go on the road and beat Pitt. Of course, they, you know, the new quarterback situation there uh, you know, with the Panthers – I like Tennessee to win that game. The next week, it's the Akron Zips, one of the funnest names in all of uh, college athletics, the Akron Zips. The next week, they host Florida. That could be a huge early game for Tennessee. Huge, huge early game for Tennessee. I suspect Tennessee wins the game. I think Florida is going to run the football our attempt to run the football, and I think Tennessee's game plan will be able to, to put the game in the hands of the Florida Gator quarterback, Richardson, and make him beat them throwing the football. I don't know that they can. They get a week off, they go to LSU. I, I, I got them winning that game too. I got them winning that game. I see the Florida game as a bit of a toss-up, and Florida and LSU both are kind of a toss-up. I just think, you know, at that midway point in the season, I think that LSU-Tennessee game could be a marquee game for both teams. I think when you look at LSU, you begin to kind of ask yourself, you know, it's like with all they've lost and all the changeover and the coaching change and, you know, the culture and that kind of stuff, how do things kind of move? Tennessee is going to score some points. And that LSU secondary saw a lot of defections last year. Yes, they got Joe Fouché and they got uh, Greg Brooks from Arkansas. Uh, so they're not devoid of talent back there, but it's going to be interesting. You know, communication-wise, when the route concepts that Hypel has kind of dialed up, when they begin to stress you down the field, is LSU going to be a hold up? So as I call it today, I got Tennessee winning both of those games, but there is a real good chance they could lose one of those two. Those are two real toss-ups, one at home, one on the road, and it's tough to go play at Death Valley. Entertaining game for sure. The next week, They'll host Alabama. That's a loss. That's, that's not a hot take, is it? Kind of always happens that way. UT Martin the next week, that's a dub. No point in talking about that one. Kentucky returns to Knoxville the next weekend. I like Tennessee. I do. 
I like Tennessee. I know Kentucky's going to have a balanced offense, but I think Tennessee is going to exploit that Kentucky secondary, which is going to be, I would say, in the bottom half of the conference. A lot of moving pieces like there. They weren't great in the secondary last year, and then they went out and tried to hit the transfer portal hard. And I just don't know how much it's going to matter. The next week there at Georgia, that's a loss. I just think Georgia, from a talent differential standpoint, is just too far ahead. And so that's two losses for those guys. And then, again, you've got a very favorable end of the November schedule. Missouri comes to Knoxville. That's a win. They go to South Carolina. You know my thoughts on South Carolina. I think they'll be good. I I just can't see them. I I don't think they have the talent to beat Tennessee. Now, by the time we pick this game in season, Spencer Rattler may completely change my perception of, of South Carolina. As of today, I don't even have them in a ball game. Now, by the time this game is played, I may feel completely different. And then the, the balls close out at Vanderbilt. So you start running the numbers here, and you feel like, okay, it should be at worst a 3-1 and one September. Could be 4-0. and oh. And then it's a kind of a difficult October in some respects. But I think they'll navigate that, probably drop one game, and then probably drop a game. So let's just say on the safe side, I got them going 9-3, and three, getting two games better. I think that's a big part of things. And so – I like this Tennessee team. I like the athleticism of this defense. I think they're a team that we're going to look at at the end of the year and feel like, you know what, hey, kind of glad we didn't play these guys. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I love Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I would. It'd be easy for me to do. I'd be happy there. I'd be close to the Mississippi State campus, 1.1 miles away. Wouldn't have to deal with all the traffic on 12, you know, when I get ready to go to the ball game or something. It'd be great to be that close. And then, like, my friends, like, on their way to the game, like, hey, I'll come by and see you. Or after the game, we'll come by, like, hey, State's got a noon game or a 11 a.m. game. When we're done, we can go watch football at Steve's house. How cool would that be? My kids could come stay with me and be right there by campus. They can come stay with me now, but I'm out here in the sticks. Maybe you've thought about moving to Starg. Well, perhaps now is the time for you. I encourage you to give Portico your interest and maybe speak to our friend Brooks Bryan. That's a guy that knows a thing or two about wearing the maroon and white. And say, Brooks, we've been thinking about just kind of getting some information. That's what he's there for. Okay, it's no commitments, right? You just call to get information. And I can promise you somebody within your family is ready to move to Starkville. They are. When you're living life where you are, you're thinking, you know what, I'd love to be able to go to Starkville full-time. Well, now you can. Make your dream a reality. Give Brooks Bryant a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, no obligation. You're just calling to get information. 601-416-8075. And here's the deal. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. It can be your ballgame weekend retreat, be your primary residence, or even your future retirement home. Give Brooks a call or text today just to get some information. That's all you're looking. That's all we're doing. Not signing any contracts. Nobody's going to hound you. It's always been your dream to be here and be a Stark villain. Come on and be a part of it. Make Portico your next move. Okay, let's take some time to talk some baseball. Kind of an honor, Brooks Bryan. Okay, so we expect the fall baseball roster to be released. I, I don't know, a few days from now. It's not here yet. There's going to be some changes, okay? I'm going to run it down for you real quick here. Okay, KC Hunt is back. That's big news, right? Jess Davis is not. R.J. Yeager is not. 
Aaron Downs is. Cameron James, of course, now a member of the, the Rays organization. Uh, Brandon Smith, we're hearing he's not coming back. We haven't officially started fall practice yet, so we could always, I guess, change his mind. But, but we're hearing Brandon Smith, at this point, not expected to be a part of it. Drew McGowan, I've heard that he may just go to school, but I haven't confirmed that yet. And, of course, things change. You know, Drew May said, let me get one more shot. So until we get that fall roster, we don't know for sure. Pico Kahn is back. Uh, Revy Higgins is gone. Kellum Clark is back. Davis Match, transfer portal. Uh, Matt Quarter also gone, transfer portal. Kate Smith is back. Cole Cheatham is back. Stone Simmons is back. But we don't expect him to pitch for some time. He could pitch maybe late in the year this year. Maybe, I don't know, March, April maybe. And that's maybe pushing it. It's going to just depend on how, how soon he recovers. Very extensive surgery for him last year. So, yeah, he's still on the team, but you probably shouldn't expect him to pitch in the first half of the season at the very least. Jack Walker is gone. Logan Tanner, of course, uh, now a professional baseball player. Luke Hancock is back. Love that. Love having you know the hammer back, not just for his power and his loyalty to Mississippi State, but his leadership. Landon Sims, of course, now a pro baseball player. So he'd offered back after a huge summer. Huge. Need that to translate to the SEC field. Gray Bain has now gone too. He's transferred. Jackson Fristo, now a professional baseball player in the New York Yankees organization. Uh, Taylor Montiel also transferred. Andrew Walling also gone. Uh, Von Siebert is back. Tanner Leggett has exhausted his eligibility. Parker Stonette is back, and we hope that Parker uh, rounds back into 100% health. He could help us. Brad Cumbus, of course, now a Colorado Rocky. Preston Johnson also has signed a pro contract. Braylon Skinner has transferred to Memphis. I love Braylon Skinner. Wish him the absolute best. He will always hold a special place in our hearts here at Mississippi State. Didn't get to play an awful lot, but he did. was part of some big moments. I'll never forget that home run he hit against LSU. Man, what a shot that thing proved to be. Uh, Bryce Chance is back, and that's a name maybe you don't know very well. That's a guy that had a pretty good summer, too. Uh, Mikey Tepper, now a member of the Liberty Flames baseball organization. Bradley Wilson's also gone. Uh, Lane Forsyth is back. Hunter Hines is back. Cam Tuller has moved on. Drew Talley has moved on. Brooks Auger is another that is back, but also rehabilitating from seasoning surgery. So you're going to have a lot of new players. You know, a lot of those guys are already here, of course. And so, under kind of understand as we kind of move forward here, you're going to need to probably buy a program when you come in because there are going to be some names out there. We're going to cover baseball really extensively like we always do. We'll do our best to kind of get you familiar. But it's going to be a much different looking team than what we had last year. You know, Kellum Clark is the only returning outfielder you look at and say, okay, I know him. You know, Brad Cumbus is gone. Of course, center field was uh, kind of a carousel last year, right? And so that's kind of where we are, you know. Uh, so looking at the transfer stuff, you know, the guys coming in, guys coming in, you guys know uh, Colton Ledbetter. That's a guy that had a huge summer too. Was named MVP of his league out there. Uh, best player from Sanford. You talk about adding some offensive power, some offensive skill, Getting Colton Ledbetter is huge. Of course, now they're in class now. They're in individual workouts now. We, I don't think we start official practice around the middle of September. I think it's between September 10th and 15th. We'll get that schedule sooner rather than later. But everybody's in class now. But Ledbetter's a dude now. Could he, he could play center. 
He can play left. I think Kellum sticks in right. But uh, Colton Ledbetter is a, is a name that you need to be familiar with. That guy should be a star here at Mississippi State. You got uh, Amani Larry, of course, that will challenge at second base. Going to be interesting to kind of see how that, that shakes out to be because, uh, you know, you went out and signed uh, Nate Chester, too, out of JUCO ranks. So you've got some other infielders there. Uh, Will Hull, of course, transfers in from Duke, and that, that's a guy not a great offensive player, but has been a really good defensive player. Is he a late-game defensive adjustment? Is he a guy that um, maybe gives you some depth at third base? You know, we'll kind of see. And then you get uh, Connor Hyzak from VCU. He's got to play shortstop. I think he'll challenge at third base, but he could also be a left fielder. You know, he's athletic enough. He can play all over. So you start thinking about this outfield. You know, Hyzak in left, that's a double-digit home run guy. Ledbetter in center, that's a double-digit home run guy. Kellum Clark in right, that's a double-digit home run guy. Luke Hancock has shown the ability to hit double-digit home runs. Didn't do it last year, but could certainly can. And, of course, old wins in this league. Amani Larry is a guy that's got double-digit home run potential. You know, Lane Forsythe doesn't. Okay, let's just be honest about that. That's just not his game. And then you look at Slade Alford, another guy that's got potential uh, double-digit home run potential. You know, and so you start running down the list here. You know, offensively, this team has a chance to be really good. And they need to be, right? We need to be. After what we endured last year, we don't want to go on these ball games, you know, having to kind of, you know, win one, two run games we can help. But we'd like to be able to be a little gaudy offensively. So I fully expect this team to be a little more power heavy. We needed a right-handed bat. We got that in Connor Isaac. You got a ton of new arms coming in. What is it, 16? Something like that. I hadn't done the numbers in a while. But, of course, Landon Gartman from Memphis, a native of Bogotita, Mississippi. That's a guy that will challenge for a weekend spot. Nate Dome out of Ball State. That guy had a, hit 99 on a gun this summer. Had a great summer. Had a great end of the year. This is a guy that's an interesting piece. Is he a bullpen guy? Is he challenged for a weekend spot? I don't know. But you better expect State to bring some heat with this guy. This guy was a guy that Chris Lamonis had a relationship with even before he came to Mississippi State. So it's not like he's an unknown. He went to Ball State, was really good, especially toward the end of the year. Had some walk issues earlier in the year, but, I mean, all freshmen do. Aaron Nixon, stud, had some challenges last year. We'll get him going. Another Max Velo guy. And then there's Tyler Davis, the left-handed craftsman from BCU. Which brings me to the next point. Is uh, A lot of people want to see what's going on with these VCU transfers. I talked about it on the show uh, a while back. I want to provide you a bit of an update. Because you, know, you have to wait for these guys to get in school before you can request a waiver, right? I mean, because there's no, you can't request a waiver if they never enroll, right? So just because somebody has committed to you or signed with you, you're not going to go do all this due diligence and paperwork and things like that. So you may recall, after VCU made a coaching change and Coach Stuffer left to go to Notre Dame, they, they went out and hired another coach. And now depending on who you believe, there were some discussions after they announced the team that Stiffler was leaving that, hey, if you guys are interested in transferring because of the circumstances, we would support that. Now, I've heard that from multiple parties. Now, whether you can prove it or not kind of remains to be seen. At the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter. Now, VCU comes out and says, hey, we're not going to grant a runoff waiver for these guys. And basically, a runoff waiver is kind of what we did with, uh, with Andy a couple years ago on the women's side. UConn did not renew their, her scholarship. And so since she was transferring because she had to, 
uh, Bracky Brett and MSU compliance professionals there on campus were able to kind of word the waiver. It's like, hey, you know, she did have no choice but to transfer it and continue her education. She should have the ability to play. And it worked out. We got her approved and she played and uh, was outstanding in our SEC tournament run that year. Love her. She's wonderful. Um, but this is not that situation. You know, these guys still had a scholarship spot available at VCU. Well, they're not there anymore, right? So VCU really gains nothing by uh, pushing this issue. But uh, basically, you have four schools that are involved, uh, Virginia, LSU, and Tulane, that have all taken on VCU transfers. And this came after the July 1st transfer deadline. In order to play spring sports, you had to be in by July 1st. However, there are extenuating circumstances, and when those things arise, you have to file for a waiver. And that's what's in the process of happening now. And so basically, from what I understand, all four of the schools are kind of working together, and they're communicating with VCU. Okay, well, what, what is it you guys are willing to do? Because what was said before is we're not going to give them a runoff waiver, and no matter what anybody says or does, I believe all of that was kind of a power play in hopes of getting those guys to stay. Well, that attempt to get them to stay has failed. So you really gain nothing now because these guys are enrolled at their new schools. They're not going to pack up and come back. And so maybe this was some saber rattling to prevent other players from entering the portal. Because yeah, it's like, well, hey, okay, well, yeah, these guys have left. We support that. Oh, but not you. we got to fill the baseball team. And so I think maybe VCU's point has been made and perhaps their crisis has been averted somewhat. So I fully expect Tower Davis and Connor Isaac to be in a Mississippi State uniform this year. I expect them to be eligible to play. I'm optimistic that this is going to work out. Now, here's the deal. Everybody's got to agree, right? I mean, we don't need Tulane or Virginia or LSU to, to agree with us. But as long as State and VCU agree, then you – you promote this, uh, you know, this legislative relief waiver, the NCAA, as long as the two schools are in agreement, almost always approves these waivers. Now, again, there's no 100% guarantee, but I can tell you, based on my research and the people that I have spoken to, we fully expect this to work out, which is huge for Mississippi State. We need that right-handed power bat in the order. We've got some left-handed guys that are studs, but what's going to happen when you know, somebody just says, okay, let me just chew up these lefties and I go out here in a relief situation and bring in my left-handed relief guy and we'll just navigate through this uh, Chris Amonis lineup. It's left-handed power heavy. So you need some balance, and that's what Hyzak uh, kind of brings there. But, um, again, it's this process. I can't say it's just beginning, but it's officially just beginning. And this is something that everybody's kind of been preparing for ever since those comments in BCU came out. And so – I just I don't think VCU wants that. You know, people we always talk about public relations and things like that. I mean, at the end of the day, if a kid wants to go play baseball at VCU and play for the Rams, he's going to go do that no matter what happened with these players, right? I mean, there's five, I guess five players involved in all this. Nobody's going to say, hey, well, I'm not going to go there because, uh, you know, the VCU coach did this or did that. I think the reality of it is it's, you know, it's not going to hurt VCU – uh, in the end, but I think it's one of those things that you look at when you start thinking about bad press and with all the student right things out here and baseball season not starting in February, you basically have six months. You know, what's to say that there aren't some assurances out there and maybe some text messages or emails, some type of evidence that VCU had said, hey, we'll support the transfer process 
and then they renege on that after the guys have moved on, you know, you could see a potential lawsuit there. Not that, you know, lawsuits are kind of how the world works. I mean, there are a lot of times lawsuits get filed and never go anywhere. But I, I think this could be probably a fight VCU really doesn't want to take on. I mean, you, there's nothing to win here if you're VCU. And again, kind of going back to that, maybe you come out with these strong comments just to kind of prevent your team from everybody hitting the portal. And then you're having to go out and, kind of start from scratch the next year. So I think their purpose has been has been served, and now it's time to kind of free these guys up to go play. And so uh, I'm excited about baseball season. Of course, it's going to be a while before we get a chance to see the uh, a real game, but uh, there will be some open scrimmages this year from what I understand. Some, probably not as many as there have been. And let's be fair about this, too. I mean, we, we, we want to go cover them. But Chris Amonos knows guys got work to do, man. I mean, and here's the thing, too. Whether it be about our access or your access, and I know we all have some level of self-entitlement, what we all want most of all is for Mississippi State to win another national championship. We want Mississippi State to host another regional, super regional. That, that's who we are. That's what we expect. And so if Chris needs to kind of close quarters a little bit to get that done, then that's what needs to happen. They got work to do. You can say, but Steve, what's it hurt for us to have a scrimmage and all of us go watch? You know, and I think that's why they're going to afford this opportunity to do that. But, um, you know, it's Chris's program. It's our program, too. But at the end of the day, that's a guy that we have hired to champion our program. So I support whatever decisions that Chris Simonis makes. And there are times, too, that I'll ask Chris questions and he don't want to answer them. And you know what? I understand that. He understands I've got an obligation to ask. And I understand that it's basically uh, my honor to get an answer. You know, he's not obligated to tell me things that maybe he's not ready to divulge. And so, again, we're all kind of in this thing together. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to focus on what matters most, and that's getting Mississippi State back into the national contention, getting us back to where we belong. And so I won't question Chris Simonis in the manner in which he does it. The guy has earned – if anybody's ever earned grace in the history of this illustrious institution, it's Chris Simonis. He brought us our first national championship in a major sport. So – uh, I think this year, obviously, is an important year. And I can tell you, too, uh, Chris is an ultra competitor, as is Jake Gotro, as is Foxhall. She's the whole crew. And nothing motivates but also sticks in the crawl of an ultra competitor than having a losing year. And so right now, it's like, hey, let's block everything outside and let's just focus on, on baseball. And that's what Chris Simonis was hired to do. And, and, again, I'm optimistic about the season. Again, you got a lot of moving parts, and it's not like we're having to kind of put an offensive line together and allow those guys to kind of develop some cohesion and chemistry. You know, middle infielders kind of got to figure the thing out. But, you know, baseball is baseball, right? I mean, you play together and you kind of learn each other's tendencies. But, you know, you've been playing the same game forever and a day. It is a team sport played by individuals, right? I mean, there's nobody out there to, quote, back you up more times than not. you got to go make plays. And so Chris has got to find the lineup that fits, find the, the defense it fits, and I have the utmost confidence that he will. I think last year is the exception rather than a rule, and it sucked. It absolutely sucked last year, especially after we'd won the NAFL championship. You know, it's like, it's like well, we won one, okay, but we're due for a bad year. I, I don't accept that, and I don't think you should either. I mean, here's the thing, too, it really doesn't matter what we accept, but it's like I'm not going to excuse last year and say, well, it was a little easier to take because we'd won it the year before. I want to be – competitive every single year every single year you know I, I want to be what LSU was in the 90s that's what I want 
You know, and I look at our friends, like people say, well, you know, at least we could be like Arkansas. I don't care. I don't need this relative comparison. I expect Mississippi State to compete for championships every year. Maybe not an NFL championship, but we should always be in the mix to host. And there was a time there, you remember in the early 2000s, when we didn't get to host. And that was, used to be an annual rite of passage. And all of a sudden, it's like, dude, what's going on? I think sometimes we forget from whence we've came. And I get asked about the history of Mississippi State baseball all the time. And I can tell you, last year is one of the most painful years that I can remember. Now, not just because of the fact that we lost, because we had some potential, but also, too, you had these injuries, and it's like nobody's fault. You can't, like, you can't, who, you, there's nobody to blame. It's almost like, well, the baseball gods are getting even with us. And I have some people that message me, and sometimes it, it, the negativity from some people, sometimes it just it makes me want to scream. I can assure you our business depends on Mississippi State's success. Nobody wants them to win more than we do. You know, we got to eat. We got kids who got to put through college. But the reality of it is, is that we all have a shared stake in Mississippi State athletics. We all want the same things. And I believe when you look at this baseball team, at the end of the year, I think you're going to be happy with this team. I think they're going to be an exciting team. And, of course, we, there's a lot, a lot of newcomers, right? So you got to work through that and kind of get settled in. But, you know, we're Mississippi State. We recruited at a high level. It's not like we just went and, you know, stood out there on move-in day and said, hey, you like a ball player, why don't you come out to practice? We don't have to do that. Those things are important to understand. Mississippi State is one of those teams that always has the ability to go out and secure good players. I mean, you got a great team, you got a great fan base, and the most amazing stadium in the history of college baseball. We're, we're back. We're back. I know everybody's like, oh, Steve, I just don't know. I think once you see this team on the field, I think we're all going to feel a bit better. I mean, the potential for this team is really off the charge. You know, we just kind of figure some things out, obviously. And, uh, got, you know, we're going to have some big scheduling things. That'll be announced pretty soon, too. You know, of course, uh, you know, anytime that you play in the SEC, it's always going to be awfully interesting. Always going to be awfully interesting. And, uh, I think we're owed, we owe Kentucky a trip. I think that's right. I think we owe Kentucky a trip. And, um, you know, Georgia, I think we're complete with them. I think we're done with Vandy for a while. I don't remember that for sure. Um, I think Tennessee. I think we got, maybe we'll go back to Tennessee. We'll see. But it's going to be interesting. It always is. We're Mississippi State. I'm excited to see the schedule, excited to see the fall roster. We'll update that fall roster once, uh, once we have it. And uh, we'll share it with you. And maybe we have it this week. Maybe it's next week. But the reality of it is is that, hey, Bulldogs are getting ready to take the field again in preparation uh, to, uh, to, to restore Mississippi State baseball to where it should and always be. All right, let's get out of here. I tell you, we've got a few things to talk about before we get out of here. I always get people to ask about this. And so if you go to Dogpile the Book, all of the books are there. All of the sports books are there. I was at the Mississippi Book Festival this weekend. And I said, just go to Dogpile. I said, oh, I already have Dogpile. Okay, cool. While you're there, though, it's, you have the option to pick the other books. So, you know, you don't have, the other URLs still work. But to make it easy, go to dogpilethebook.com. That's D-A-W-G-P-I-L-E, thebook.com. Flim Flam is there. Stark Villains is there. Alpha Dogs is there. And matter of fact, they didn't even have Stark Villains at the book festival because supplies have run so, so short. They had some alpha dogs there, and, and uh, we sold a couple copies of that, sold some dog pile, and uh, had a great time. But if you're looking for those books, you need to act quickly because, uh, you know, we got people, even our local bookstores here, running out of Stark Villains because I guess you guys are heeding the call. 
But if you want it direct, you want it personalized, go to dogpilethebook.com. If you're looking for Bloomsville Oleander, you can find it at Amazon. Uh, they just recently re-upped it again. Um, so it's going to remain in print for another year. That's cool. Appreciate them doing that. So Bloomsville Oleander, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com, or your favorite bookstore can take care of that for you. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. A lot of people ask about that, too. We talk about it on the show. I guess these people aren't Boneyard listeners, but I get and I wear a Stark Villain shirt every time somebody asks me, where can I get a Stark Villain shirt? Go to StarkVillains.com. Matter of fact, um, we've had a really big month. I put a little graphic out there, and everybody's like, hey, I want this. And so we've had a good month, and uh, I look forward to seeing uh, how his orders kind of worked out. But um, be sure and check in with us. So, And if you're not a subscriber at JeansPage.com, you should be. Unprecedented coverage of your Mississippi State athletic programs. Uh, we're excited, man. College football season is here, and because we didn't play postseason baseball, it has been a long and miserable summer in many respects for the Bulldog hearts. And so let's all get together and go support the Bulldogs September 3rd as we take on Memphis. I'm looking forward to previewing that game. And so next week we'll have a chance to talk about Memphis and kind of look at what they're doing and what the, the coaches are saying. I can promise you nobody in Starkville has forgotten about what happened last year. Nobody has forgotten about that. On offense, on defense, the coaches, the cleaning staff, the support staff, the administration, the student workers, the people that mopped the locker room, the people on the vending crew that served dinner, nobody has forgotten that game. Of this, I can assure you, not guessing, your Bulldogs are going to be ready to play. I hope that you're there to cheer for them. Turn out, I know it's going to be warm. It's going to be a night game, right? Maybe get you a Stark Villains gear. Get you a Stark Villains tee. We're at to the ball game. I look forward to seeing you guys there. It's so much fun when you guys come to town. Even though I have to kind of stick to the surface streets to kind of navigate my way around town, I like it when you guys come. It always starts probably like 10 o'clock on Friday. We start seeing this increase in traffic, and by the time the afternoon is there, there's so many of you that are already here running back and forth to you know, Walmart, getting your tailgating supplies, kind of get going. It, it brings some real energy to the city, and I appreciate you guys spending money here. My friends run these businesses. My friends are employed by these businesses. They're your friends too. And so I appreciate you guys spending some money in Starkville. And a reminder, September 30th, be here before we know it. Rock Vegas at Hobie's on Main, downstairs in the Old State Palace Theater. It's going to be outstanding. Lillian Axe, Twist, and Four-Way Stop. Excited to kind of bring this show to you guys. It's going to be a great night. Hope you can attend and be a part of this. That's it for today. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.